0: for him. All right. Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. Let him that is at thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning about God's last message. God's last message. This whole book is his message, really. And it's his book addressed to your heart. In fact, it's from his heart to your heart. We know that Jesus taught that from out out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We know who you are by the words you speak. And God is the same way. We know his heart by the words that he speaks. You don't want to know God's heart. Listen to his words. Read his word. And you will know God a whole lot better than you've ever known him before. amen. Amen. Having said that, this book has a conclusion, has an ending. And we just read it. It's five verses. It's the last five verses of the entire Bible, of the last book. So that's why I'm preaching today about God's last message. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. You said where two or three are gathered together in your name, you're in the midst of them. And Lord, we confess your word and your promise that indeed it is true, for we have felt your presence here today. And I pray that those whose hearts are hardened and those who have not felt your presence, that you would make yourself known to them. I pray that their heart would be open to you and softened to the touch of your spirit. And the entreating of your love. We pray, oh God, that your word would go forth today with power, but with gentleness. That you would entreat each and every one of us to be ready for your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. God bless you. may be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible is full of statements concerning the last things. and last things are very important. You know, when I go on a trip somewhere or perhaps you go for a while from your house, you give some instructions to your family, to your kids. Uh, you, you, you tell them the, the things that what you feel is most important to them at that time. Amen. And when I take a trip and go overseas to Europe I'm leave my wife here and she's not coming with me and there's church things to consider and, and, and I go over through a list, I make a list and these are the things that before I leave, have to build up. but it's the last things that I do before I leave, and God is the same way with us. In fact, this is why the Great Commission is so important. When Jesus finished His earthly ministry and He ascended up on high, uh, the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, go ye therefore to all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded unto you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. These were the last words of Jesus Christ on earth as he ascended. And so he he, he used the power of of last words. And and many of his disciples, about 500, heard him say that. And uh, it was at that great commission that he also sent them back to Jerusalem and and told them to wait there until they're endued with power from on high. He wanted to make sure that they stick it out for seven to ten days in the upper room in Jerusalem and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that he died to give us. The death of Jesus on Calvary was not only to shed his blood and cover and cleanse us from our sins... But he died to give us the privilege of to have access to God, to be filled with the holy presence of God. Amen. And this is the whole purpose of his coming and the message of the New Testament gospel. That you would not just only believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior, but that you would receive that resurrection power by which he himself was resurrected. That power which you and I need to change our lives. See, he doesn't leave it to ourselves to make the changes and the transformations that he desires to bring in us. He knows we're too weak for that. This is why he ordained you and I receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues that we may make those changes and do those things that are pleasing to him. Hallelujah. No wonder uh, Paul, the apostle, said, for it is he that causes us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he does that through his spirit. The gift of the Holy Ghost that comes on the inside of us. Amen. So he helps us. Amen. He helps us to do his will. But concerning last things. Last words are very, very important. And we've seen that from the Great Commission. And of course, we see it from these last five verses of the book of Revelation. Last things. The, the Bible has a lot of things to say about last things. First Corinthians 15, 20 thing, 26 tells us, Paul writing here, that the last Enemy that shall be destroyed will be death. In 1 Corinthians 15 51 through 52, we read, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, at the last trump, at the last trump. Trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. That's when the rapture takes place. In 1 Corinthians 15, 45, a few verses before that, we read, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, last Adam, that's Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. Revelation 1.11 says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Right. Hallelujah. God is the first and the last and everything in between. Praise the name of the Lord. Several times in Scripture we hear of the statement of the last days. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, I know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Hallelujah. Peter the Apostle picked up that same theme when he quoted the prophet Joel on the day of Pentecost. He said, In the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. And quoted in Acts 2.17. So in the last five verses of the last chapter of the Bible that we have read, we've got a beautiful picture of God's last message to the church. And this last message includes a last invitation for us to come. It involves the last warning that he gives mankind. It is the last promise that is contained in these few verses, and the last prayer ever prayed is given to us in these last five verses. See, in Revelation 22:17, we began John giving us the last invitation in the Bible. He says, "And the spirit and the bride say, "Come." In these last days, the great message of God is to come to him. While there's yet time, while even prophecies being fulfilled and everything is being read on the world stage. For the coming of the Antichrist and the world to succumb to an Antichristian spirit. And indeed it will happen and he will conquer the world. But we will be taken out of here. We will be spared. We will be taken to a better place. And it's the promise of Jesus Christ. And we see this great invitation throughout the Bible of coming to him. We see it from the beginning. Even from the time of Noah. The invitation to come into the ark. And to the invitation that is still here in this last chapter of the Bible. Jesus even said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28-29. He says, come unto me. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, hallelujah, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Can I tell you that we need rest today in our soul more than ever before? We're afflicted on every side, we're tormented mentally, emotionally, Uh, we look ahead to the future and look upon the things that are fearful, really, that's just unbelievable to imagine the things that are coming upon the face of the earth. All the things that are happening around us now—wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes—in diverse places that Jesus preached in Matthew 24, over 20,000 people killed, and one earthquake, and maybe more even than that. We are surely living in the last days, and. More urgent than ever before, God is wanting to hear his last invitation. Come, come into the ark of Zion. Come, come into the church. Come and take the mercy that I offer you. Come. And take the forgiveness of sins. Come and take advantage of the remission of sins. For, for, your, for all the wrongs that you have done by being baptized in my name. Come and take advantage of, of the blessing of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why you still have time. Because there's coming a time when it will be too late. And here in this last message. That invitation is given. The spirit and the bride say come. And let him that is at first. Come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. See, the Spirit of God is calling men and women everywhere to turn to God. Jesus declared concerning the promise of the Holy Ghost in John 16, verse 7 through 11. Nevertheless, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But I, if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye shall see me no more. And of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. Hallelujah. Yes, the Spirit of God says, Come. Still come while you got the time. The Spirit, hallelujah, is still working and. The work of the Spirit today is still inviting and calling people to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why? So that you might know the Lord Jesus Christ better than ever before. You may think you know him, but even if you do know him, I can say that coming to the Lord and getting closer is always a privilege and always a blessing. You can get more of him. You can get a fresh anointing from him. We need refreshing. We can't go on yesterday's blessing. You can't go on yesterday's meal, yesterday's energy, yesterday's vitamin. You've got to get nourishment again today. And when we get with, done with church, I want to have lunch. I'm sure you will too. Praise God. But it's the same way in the spiritual uh, sense, in the spiritual nature of us. But we need refreshing. We need nourishment from the Word of God. It's the, the spiritual meat. And we need the refreshing of the Spirit of Almighty God just as we drink water or or sodas or whatever else that you drink to make you well and to give your body what it needs in moisture. But it's also the responsibility of the church to keep on preaching. Hallelujah. For the wayfarers to know that there's a haven of rest where they can find rest for their souls. That's why he said uh, by the Spirit, it's not just the Spirit that says come, but the bride say come. Hallelujah. See, it's the Spirit of God that says come in his word, but the church is his bride. The church is his mouthpiece. And he sent the church to preach this message. Everywhere we go, come unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, repent. Come be baptized. Come get the Holy Ghost. It's your privilege. God promised it to you. It's not us. Come on. You need rest for your souls? God can give it to you. Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. You're sick in body? Jesus can help. You're distraught? Jesus can help. You're depressed and discouraged? Jesus can help. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You're in need? Jesus is the answer. Praise God. That's what said the spirit say come and the bride also says come. Come. Praise the Lord. And we work together with the Spirit and the Spirit. Hallelujah. The church is the most powerful institution that God ever created on earth. It's been here for 2,000 years now. It is universal. It is a spiritual entity. And you and I are part of it if we're born into it. If you're born again of the water and the Spirit, you're born into into this spiritual entity. And the only way you can enter it is to answer the call of the invitation to come. And when you come and you're born again, you become a part of that spiritual, invisible, uh, fantastic, and most powerful institution. And we, you and I, who have heard the gospel preached, we've got a responsibility to let others hear. That's why it says, let him that heareth say come. If you heard the message... And you obeyed the call of the gospel. You have turned your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what it's like to be filled by the Spirit and enjoy the blessings of God and freedom from guilt, having a clean conscience, uh, having rest in your souls, uh, you and I have an obligation to share that truth uh, with everybody else out there. So it's not just a spirit dealing with the hearts of people. Hallelujah. Jesus said, if you are here, if you heard my words and obeyed, you have an obligation to preach this and let your word of testimony be known and tell them what God did for you. Tell them how God changed your life. God, tell them how God provided for you. Tell them how God healed you. Tell them what God did for you and for your family and for your life. How he turned you around. How he delivered you from drugs and alcohol. Hallelujah. How he put your life back together again. Hallelujah. You can do a lot. Praise the Lord. And witnessing before the Lord. Praise God. So it says, let him that heareth say, come. So we must tell others. Hallelujah. See, there's, there's someone who can change you and make you over and set you on fire. And John knew that, and that's why he said, Let him, there's a thirst, come. Thirst. Hallelujah. You got to want this. You got to be thirsty for this. It's not that you just got to hear it. Hallelujah. And I hear, I know a lot of people hear the gospel and the preaching of it. And many people have come in our midst and our congregation have heard, but they weren't hungry and they weren't thirsty. And if you're here today and if you're hearing the word, and you're hungry and thirsty, what does it mean? It means simply that you want what you're hearing. You're going to have to want what you hear. You're going to have to want forgiveness. You're going to have to want the presence of God in your life. You're going to have to want Jesus to come into your life and change you. If you're thirsty for what God has to offer, if you want it, then you've got to come. And that's why we have an altar call here. Jesus issued this publicly many times. Oh, hallelujah, come. He that is thirsty, let him come unto me. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He preached it publicly. Come, come. Yeah, yeah. Praise the name of the Lord. It's not something done in a corner and hidden. John seven thirty seven. the last day, of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst. Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hallelujah. And in the last book of uh, Revelation, and the last scriptures, Jesus said, Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Whosoever will. That means everybody can have it. Anybody can have it. It doesn't matter what you look like. God is not partial. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how much money you have or you don't have. Hallelujah. It's not about culture. It's not about the color of skin. It's not about race. It's not about language. It's not about status of society. It's not about what, where you have come from. It's about where you're going. Hallelujah. You can change your destiny. You can change your direction. Hallelujah. You can be born again in the water and the spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And that's why he said, whomsoever will. Is that you? Will you be hungry and thirsty for the things that God offers you? Because God, the only thing he's concerned about is your soul. Jesus didn't die on the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood and pour out his Holy Ghost just to give us a good life down here. Oh, no, he did a whole lot more than he's concerned about our soul, not just our flesh here. It's not about our comfort, as you know, it's about his will and it's about our character. He's going to let you go through some things, and it's not because he hates you. No, no, no. He's, 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 he loves you very much, but he's in the process of changing you and transforming you. And you and I are not going to make any changes unless we're motivated to. We need some motivation because we like the comfort of not changing. I like the way I am. I like my comfort. I I don't want to do anymore. I don't want to change. I like who I am. Yeah, maybe. But remember now, if you're born again, hallelujah, you're going to have to please him. You're going to have to change to align with his will and line up with what is pleasing to him. Because you're going to spend eternity with him. That's why God came. To give you a place by him. But you're going to have to make some changes. If you want to go there. I mean the the, the benefits and 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 the pluses of that is 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 totally out of this world. Literally. It's amazing. I mean if if you even stop to think about it's mind-boggling. But but God's real focus is not on your flesh and how how you how you are, how you feel. It's not about your feelings. It's about your soul and then where you're gonna spend eternity because when you die, you're gonna spend it somewhere, and it's either heaven or hell. There's no in-between. And we decide where we go. Oh, you say, well, I thought God just went, no, no, no. He gives us a choice. We send ourselves to hell. And we don't have to do anything to get there. We were born going to hell. Amen. All were born with sin. The Bible says all have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. We don't have to do anything to go to hell. Amen. We're all headed that way. But if we want to go to heaven, we're going to have to accept invitation and come. And we come by turning around, turning away from a direction to go to hell and going towards heaven. How by repentance? That's what turning around is, going on a different direction. Hallelujah. We've got to change our direction by answering this invitation, this call to come. And he'll be born again. It's the last invitation in the Bible. Whosoever will. And it means you. Turn your neighbor and tell them, this means you. Yeah. Praise God. Well, not only do we have the last invitation, we got the last warning. We're warned not to tamper with the word. Right, right, right. Don't mess with God's word. Bible said, we read it, don't add to it, don't take away from it. You add to it, you're going to have plagues added to you that's mentioned in this book. You, have, you take something away, God's going to take away from you, from the book of life. You might just erase your name. Don't mess with God's word. There are a lot of people out there who are false, false prophets and false Christs. And they're making themselves up to be more than who they are. And what they preach is something that doesn't align with the word of God. So beware. Make sure you have a pastor that you can trust. Make sure that you have someone who will preach to you the unadulterated word of God. Because God doesn't like anybody messing with his word. Some people have a problem with his word. But we shouldn't have a problem with it. It's God's word. He gave it to us. Hallelujah. Romans 1.25 said, Paul writing here, to those who have misused the word of God, it says, there were those who came who changed the truth of God into a lie. And many people are doing that today. Many people are calling this Bible to say things that it doesn't say. Totally misinterpret it. Preach it wrong. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, Paul the apostle tells us, for the time will come. And we're living in it. When they will not endure sound doctrine. That's teaching. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Meaning if it doesn't tick on my ear, if I don't like what I hear, I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to go to the church because they're not preaching what what I like. Well, it's not about what you like. It's not about your feelings. It's it's about God's nature, your nature, and they're opposite from each other. And there's got to be a change somehow in accommodating his nature because you're going to his place, to his world, his realm, his heaven, amen, and you can't live in heaven like you are in this body now. There's got to be a change, and we are ready in the last trump, in the last moment, hallelujah, but there's got to be a change. Why? Because you can't go into heaven like this. And you got to prepare to get there. you got to deal with this flesh because it's sinful. All have sinned and have come short. And Paul said there's coming a time when they're not going to be able to to endure. They're not going to accept sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they shall heap up to to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. Now, interestingly, Steven Spielberg, I remember reading in, in one article in Newsweek. He was interviewed. This was probably 20, 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. And I never forgot this. this you know, every movie is a fable. Get that. Every movie. Lord, if that's you. <laughs> if that was the Trump, but we're still here. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> exactly. Steven Spielberg, he said, you know, uh, uh, every TV program, a, a movie, they're, they're living, he called this, he said, they're living fables. Living fables. I said, my goodness. I look at the popularity of TV programs and movies, even videos and all that. Hallelujah. They're living fables. And could it be what the scripture we referred to in the last day, you got to turn away from the truth and they go look at. Superheroes instead and and make-believe creatures and all these things that totally defy God. And really, they're trying to replace What's a superhero? Is there any greater superhero than Jesus? Hallelujah. Rose from the dead, walked on top of the waters. And that's not a fable. That took place in front of eyewitnesses open the eyes of the blind, raise people from the dead. I mean, on and on and on. My goodness. You talk about a superhero. How many movies are made about him? Now, I should say this. I've I've watched the Ten Commandments many times. I enjoy that. Even Ben-Hur and and the likes of it, The Robe and Jesus of Nazareth, Kings of Kings. Be careful with Hollywood-produced Bible movies. Because every one of those movies, I don't care how wonderful they are, and and really, I I have I've been touched by by many of them. Ten Commandments. Every time I watch the Parting of the Red Sea, I'm telling you, it touches me. It really does, and and I just just tear up, and I just I say yes, that's my God. But there's other places in there really that is not biblical and it's not true. And same thing with all these other movies. So so don't ever base your faith. And God on something that you see in a movie or on television, because it is it is there really? They're making that movie to make money, and they have to change a little bit to make it interesting as far as they consider interesting. And many of those things aren't biblical, and many times it's false and it's not correct. So it's important for you and I to base our faith. On the word of God. Not on fables. Certainly not on living fables. That came out of Hollywood. Hallelujah. And the word of God. We see that it reveals to us. The the true nature of God. That's why the Bible is so important. In fact this is why God said in Psalm 138 too. For thou hast magnified thy word. Above all thy name. Look at that. Thou hast magnified thy word. Above all thy name. There's only one thing above the name of God. And that's his word. You know why? Because without the word, you cannot express his name. And you could not know his name. His name, hallelujah, is recorded in his word. And God ordained this word to be preached and to reveal to you the things about himself, including his name. So if you disdain his name, and if you disdain God, and you don't read this book, you're not going to know what his name is. It's when you open this book, hallelujah, you find out who he is and what his plans are, what his thoughts are, what his heart is like. This is a unique book. This is why this book is still the number one best seller in the world. Never hear about it much. But it's the word of God. That's why God said... Don't mess with my word. Don't change it. This is my word. It's above the name of God. This is his word. Do not change it. You take anything away from this, uh, I'm going to take away from you the reward that's coming to you. And then when even though your name is written in the book of life, uh, there's some things you're going to be missing out on simply because of what you have done and taking away. To add to it, look out. Don't add to it. Don't. If I'm silent on it, you be silent on it. Don't be coming up with doctrines and things that's not in my word. Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we have the last warning. We got the last invitation, the last warning. that we have the last promise also given to us in Revelation 22. In fact, three times in this chapter, in this last few verses, uh, but in this chapter 22 in particular, uh, three times we, we read about the promise of his coming. in Verse 7. And verse 12 of this chapter 22, he says, Behold, I come quickly. In verse 20, he says, Surely I come quickly. You know, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, you hear it two or three times, you better pay attention. He's coming. You say, Well, man, it's been such a long time. It's been 2,000 years of being saved. Yeah, it's been longer than that. He's been preaching it to Enoch and Adam and Eve and all the way back when. You're talking about thousands and thousands of years. How come he hasn't come yet? Because it's not the right time. See, he just didn't come to make a way back for Adam and Eve and, you know, cancel history. What it would have been like if it was only Adam and Eve and, okay, he saved them. He told them what to do to save them. He took them back uh, to the garden or took them to heaven and that's it. Well, where are the others? See, he he didn't want just fellowship with Adam and Eve. He wanted a whole lot more people. He looked down the corridor of time and all the millions and billions of people that would populate the earth with well, all the possibility of people coming to know him and would accept his invitation and become fellow citizens of heaven with him. He had you in mind. Yes. You're special. Right. You're unique. Nobody else has, that, has this kind of call. Animals don't get it. Right. Right. Human beings do. And no matter what your background or where you come from, He's got you in mind. He wants you. He loves you. And this invitation is for you. And this promise is to you. And he is coming. 1552, we read already, 1 Corinthians. (coughs) Then when he comes, there's going to be a moment, a twinkling of an eye. As quickly as you can blink your eyes. In Mark 13, 35, Jesus says, Watch, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, (laughs) Excuse me. Or when the rooster, the cock crows, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And that's the last thing he promised. Stand with me, if you will. With the last promise comes the last prayer. The last prayer recorded. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. That was John, the Revelator's prayer, as given to him by the Spirit. The last prayer John wrote ought to be the first prayer on our lips even so come quickly Lord Jesus even Jesus taught us in the Lord's prayer to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven we ought to look forward to his coming it ought to be our hope for his coming it shouldn't be oh Lord don't come yet I'm not done I'm not ready But when a day comes, it's going to happen, whether you like it or not. It'll be your last day on earth. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. See, there's going to come a time when you do your last thing. Maybe the last night you'll ever sleep in bed, the last breakfast you'll ever have, the last lunch you'll ever have, the last dinner you'll ever have, the last time you go to work, the last time you play a keyboard, the last time you drive a car, the last time you go to school, the last time you do your homework, the last time you go to work and do whatever your job is, it's be mean, the last time. The last time you kiss your wife, the last time you kiss your husband, the last time you kiss your girlfriend or boyfriend, it's going to be it. Be no more. No other opportunities because your life on earth. Is done. And God's plan is fulfilled. And he shuts the door, sounds the trumpet, and we go. That's why he said, beware. Lest I come, and you don't know when I'm coming. This is either morning, noon or night, early in the morning when the sun rises and the rooster. You don't know when I'm coming. I could come at any one of those times. So be ready. Make sure you have accepted my invitation, and you've got your invitation engraved right on your soul when you've repented of, your, repented of your sins by baptized in Jesus' name make sure your name is on me hallelujah and his spirit on the inside of you 1st Timothy 1st Titus 2.13 says looking for that blessed hope that the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah it should be a great comfort and hope to us like Paul said to the Thessalonians after he talks about the rapture, he says, "Wherefore comfort you one another with these words." And be honest with you, when I look around the world and I look at all the things that are going on, I'm comforted by departing. I don't want to see the world going any worse than it already is. We're going way down the wrong direction, and we're going. I mean, you know how the Titanic sank? and took all that. I'm telling you what, we're going down as fast as the Titanic, at I least. Mean. Somebody sent me a video about uh, this cashless Amazon store in London. You, has anybody seen that? You go into the store, hallelujah, and the first thing you do is you use your credit card. You, you, you check in. There's no cashier. There's no attendant. But you got to check in with your number before you get in. And you can take anything off the shelf. And when you walk out, it automatically debits your credit card. You know what that's leading to, right? You can't walk out. Here, for number one, uh, you can't cheat. You can't run in there, first of all, without dinging your card. And once you get in, you can't steal everything on the shelf or run out and not pay for it. Because they got you down. The computer's watching you digitally. You know, that the sensors, the radio frequencies, and all that. Hallelujah. You walk out with whatever you walk out with, it automatically makes you pay. It's coming out of your account. Praise God. Well, you know, the Bible tells us that there's coming a time, Revelation 13. That when Antichrist comes, he's gonna issue a, a number to every man, woman, and child, rich or poor, free and bond, that you can't buy or sell unless you had that number. You, you see how true the Bible is? See how this cashless society is, is rapidly coming to us? And see, here's the thing: Walmart, in fact, Walmart loses about three billion dollars a year in, in in merchandise from shoplifting. And when these other stores turn to this kind of security measures and they're not losing anything and they can drop their prices and cause you to go and buy your merchandise there because it's a whole lot cheaper than going to Walmart. Why? Because Walmart has to keep its prices up to pay for all these $3 billion worth of losses. But the other store at Amazon, well, they got security measures and they can't lose anything so they can afford to charge you less. And then pretty soon everybody else is going to do it. To keep up with the consumer demand. The next thing you know, everybody's got a card. And before you know it, everybody's gonna have a mark because cards are stolen or lost. Perfect. What a great solution to man's needs and problems. Instantly solves the prostitution and the drug drug crimes. You can't buy any drugs anymore without your card because there will be no money. Prostitutes can't make any money. You to to need a card, any transaction. Hallelujah. No goods, no illegal goods could be charged anymore because there's no more cash. What I'm saying is that the warning of the Bible is true. There's coming a time. It will be all over. And for you and I who see what's coming and where we are on God's Timeline, we ought to be comforted by the promise that he's coming soon. We're not ought to be thinking about, oh, I wish I could see my daughter grow up and, and be married. Or I wish I could watch them go to college and so on. Yeah. Compare that to life in eternity with, with God. All right. what, is the, what is your value placed on? What, is, what, what are you putting the greatest worth on? And we're this close to his God. We're this close. We don't have much time. I'm talking about last things. God's last message. His last invitation. His last warning. His last promise. And His last prayer. And it should be our prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come quickly. Is that your prayer? Can you pray that prayer today with an honest heart? If not, you probably need to pray and pray through and ask God to help you align your priorities and your values that you have them in the right place. Hallelujah. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, I would invite you now to come and pray at this altar. That's what I did when I was 22 years old. I came to an altar like this, but I had about 1,200 people behind me, and I didn't care. And I came down. God's spirit was drawing my heart, and I came and knelt down at the altar. I had a couple of people praying with me, and a man that witnessed to me was with me and prayed for me too, Brother James Cornish. And I was just weeping my heart out, telling my God how sorry I was for everything I've ever done. And then that same night, August 24th, 1975, I was baptized in his name in a warm water like we've got. And I've never been the same. A few weeks later, I got the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad I did. Look where I am today. Oh, I thought I was going to be an engineer for the rest of my life. I thought I was going to go to Vietnam and fight. I wanted to go fight and kill communists. But God turned my life about around. and Instead of going around killing people, he, he, he led me to, to, to save people. Only God can do that. God can take anger and hatred out of your heart. Put love in your heart. Hallelujah. And you want the best for people rather than the worst for people. Oh, that's what the promise of God is all about. As we sing this song, I invite you to come. Hallelujah. If you need the Holy Ghost. I encourage you, come. This is the time. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you haven't refreshed in a while, come on. It's a good time to pray right now.